Aguinaldo! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Our roll along here on Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710SeattleSports.com. Uh, if you missed any of Tom Verducci this morning, Sports Illustrated baseball writer, sort of the dean of baseball writers at this point, uh, he will, uh, you can find that on uh, the podcast page, SeattleSports.com, or uh, I'll play some of the best of that coming up here in a half hour at 930. Uh, you gave his name such emphasis. Tom Verducci. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he's Tom Verducci. He's like in his... Uh, you know, he, he's a writer who's so good at being a baseball writer, they let him be part of the broadcast. I mean, that's that's rare. Not like just on the sidelines, like up in the booth. That's unheard of. Nobody lets baseball writers do anything like that. And all of a sudden, they're like, you know, he's up in the booth. He's offering commentary. Yeah, no, Tom is uh, pretty darn well-respected in the business. on the TV broadcast. That's true. Shannon's special, though. She's not a, she, she does write, <laughs> but she's a radio person, so she can she, actually she's speak. Yeah, she's she's She can uh, actually speak. Yeah, she's um, she's lit- not just literate with her fingers. She's uh, she can talk a little bit. All right, um, so we'll do that coming up at nine thirty. Right now, it's time for our favorite game, or certainly the game with the best music. Whose shoes? <laughs> All right, first up, whose shoes would you choose? I sound like I'm a doctor. Doctor Seuss. Seuss. Whose uh, shoes would you choose? When it comes to M's players, to win or lose. <laughs> when it comes to M's players, there's something to prove. Jared Kelnick or Evan White's. Prove almost rhymes in there, too. I know. Who's got, uh, whose shoes would I rather be in right now, Evan White's or Jared Kelnick's? Yes. Well, in one, I guess the answer is Jared Kelnick because he's going to start the year in all likelihood with the big league team. And so he's going to have that first opportunity to prove something. Um, but overall, if I could just right now hop into one of their shoes, it might be Evan White. That dude's got guaranteed money. He made a ton of guaranteed money, and it's it's not going anywhere, whether he makes it or not. So there's no pressure on him. Nobody expects anything out of him. And I do believe, I do believe there is a scenario in which Evan White is a huge contributor for the Mariners this season. Do I, I don't think it's the most likely scenario, but I think it's a possible scenario. And by the way, if it happens and he ends up becoming their regular first baseman, and Ty France becomes their regular DH, that might be the best version of the Mariners that we could imagine. Yeah, it's nice to have to have these guys. At one point, you were kind of expecting a lot, but now they're kind of depth pieces that if they turn out to have great years, it's going to be beneficial for the Mariners, but you're, you're set even if they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they can afford to take the chances because they're not counting on it to work. Exactly. Yeah. All right, next one. Whose shoes out of these newly hired NFL coaches, Sean Payton, Frank Reich, D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, or Jonathan Gannon, your favorite? Who would I want to be? Whose shoes would I want to be in? Probably Frank Reich. I think I would go with Frank Reich. He's in Carolina, right? Where is Shane Steichen again? Indy? Yes. I don't want to work for Jim Irsay. I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to coach Russell you don't Wilson want him right now. Coming to your house and spending an inordinately long amount of time in your bathroom? No, I really don't. I don't want anybody <laughs> spending any time in my bathroom. No, uh, I don't want that. 
I don't want to be um, well. I don't want to be in Sean Payton's shoes trying to deal with Russell Wilson and that contract and how to get out of it. Um, I definitely don't want to be in Houston trying to deal with that ownership group. Well, it's probably Frank Reich in Carolina, right? Right. I think it's. I think it's actually pretty obvious that that was by far the best situation. I think that was the best job, and that probably makes sense why it was the first one to get hired. Uh, is Carolina? They got a very good young roster. They do need a quarterback. There's no doubt about it, and they're not perfect. So you got to try to figure that out. But other than that need, which I get it is the biggest need. I thought they had a pretty darn good roster last year, and they played hard at the end of the year, which is a good sign for them moving forward. I would tend to agree with that. I think other than that, though, man, I might I might go with Sean Payton over some of these other ones. Yeah, at least I mean, there's a chance that like Russ did start to play better at the end of the year when they fired Hackett. I definitely would not want to be at the Texans. Houston's got at least the number two pick. I mean, like, there's a lot you can do with that. It's the ownership for me, though, with yeah. the Cardinals and the Texans. I'd rather do that than be with the Browns. Did you see that uh, that this year will kick in the $55 million cap hit and salary yes. guaranteed for Deshaun Watson, who was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year? What a disaster. I know it's too bad John Clayton's not here to see that because nothing would have made John happier than seeing what a complete mess the Cleveland Browns continue to be. I'm sure that's uh, going to end well. And but he wasn't biased. Any tension on the team at all. He wasn't biased. He didn't dislike them because he's from Pittsburgh. Oh, of course not. Of course not. Journalists can't do that. 100%. <laughs> all right. Uh, whose shoes would you would you choose? <laughs> We're going to make that permanent now, Maura. That's now part of this. Whose shoes would you choose? <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Would you eat them in a boat? No. Uh, Out of these talented Seattle rookies or, you know, coming off of their rookie season. Okay. Julio Rodriguez, Tariq Woolen, or Matty Beneers. Whose shoes would I want to be in? Oh, come on. It's Julio. I I know. I feel like it's hard not to. Again, the guaranteed money that that dude's going to make for the next 10 years is out of control. So I I have to choose it. Um, That's that's whose shoes I would choose. But um, who's second? I think it's Matty Beneers. I think Beneers is going to be special. Yeah. And that's not to say that Tariq Woolen won't, but what we're watching with Beneers at his age is pretty crazy. I'll tell you what, the game he played on Friday night was phenomenal. I mean, he set up two goals with beautiful passes. He was like to his vision and ability to see the ice, his ability to operate in all three zones, to come back and play defense and be responsible. And he's only going to get bigger. Let's remember, he's what, 20? What is he, 20? 19, 20? Maybe he just turned 20. Okay, he just turned 20. He hasn't filled out yet. He hasn't gotten his man strength yet. Yeah, he turned 20 in November. Okay, he's not a man yet. Seriously, like physically, like like he is going to fill out and get physically just thicker. And when he does, and he you know, he's already tough to move off the puck because he's got great hands, great leverage, skates well, etc. As he gets just physically stronger, he, he's going to be fantastic. I, I just love watching the kid play. I might go Tariq just because that's the sport that I would want to immerse myself in the most. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that would be fun, but. If I could yeah. skate like Matty Beneers, I went skating on uh, Saturday night over at the Kraken Iceplex, which is fun. And um, there's like two, there's like two or three groups of skaters there. You've got the people who can't skate, and then you've got the like people who can really skate, where they're like able to quickly move forwards and backwards, etc. And I feel like I'm 
not in either of those categories, and I feel sort of alone, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, I can move fairly quickly around the ice, and I can cross over, and I can skate backwards, but I can't move like the people who can really skate can, and I just get super jealous. Yeah, I've always wished that I would have grown up skating a little yeah. more, too. I had a bunch of cousins who played hockey, but I didn't really, yeah, my family didn't put me out there. All right, Mariners pitchers looking at a different role. Who shoes, Flexen or Marco? Uh, I think Marco's going to have a really good year. I'm going to go ahead and be on the record on this. I almost brought it up with Shannon. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more, more with her tomorrow. I think Marco Gonzalez is going to have a monster year for him. That doesn't mean he's going to be their number one pitcher. Let's not get carried away. But I think Marco's going to have a fantastic year. I think he's come back in shape, determined, etc. And I think he wants to shove it in some people's faces. And that seems like exactly the kind of Marco Gonzalez I want. Incredibly competitive guy who I think is, is not old. He's only 31. He's same age as Robbie Ray. I think Marco's going to have a monster year. I'd rather be in his shoes. Can't believe you didn't play any of these yet. Money has got to be the shoes. 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 You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Marco. <laughs> I forgot it's about usually it. your favorite part. About I know. This I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, it's a chance to play more Lords of the Underground. <laughs> all right. We got to run. That's uh, all the time for whose shoes do you choose for today? Our, our tribute to Dr. Seuss and an opportunity to uh, to make some choices. All right. You can always text suggestions for that if you want. 866-979-3776. Come back. Give you everything you need to know. And then some Tom Verducci on Jared Kelnick. Yeah, that's right. Big national article on JK coming your way. A lot more rhyming here on Brock and Salk on Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. So good to be talking baseball again as the entire squad has reported to spring training for the Mariners. A lot of them were already there, right? Pitchers, catchers, WBC players, other players are just in the area. So it's not like all of a sudden the whole squad just arrived in mass, but it's nice to see everybody there. And yes, that did include Julio Rodriguez, Scott Service, on the plan for where Julio will hit. Yeah, I think, you know, there will be, he's going to hit at the top of the order somewhere. One, two, three, something like that. And there'll be days that you know, he leads off. I think you guys know how I feel about the leadoff position. Um, I like when you flip the lineup over, there's a guy with a, a real threat to hit the ball at the ballpark. I think it, it, it does something. Now everybody says, oh, you know, you want him to hit with guys on base. It's one at bat. And if you look at the depth of our lineup, there's going to be some guys that are hitting in the 8-9 hole that get on base. So, um, you know, whether it's one or two, that's probably where you're going to see him most of the time. You want to make sure he gets as many extra at-bats as he can. Yeah, and you do have some of those guys at the bottom of this order that are going to be able to run a little bit. Colton Wong, Dylan Moore, Haggerty, etc. So, yeah, I, I think some of that does make sense. Overall, I think he's probably a number two hitter, but I certainly don't have any issues with him leading off. By the way, when Julio leaves, I got this from Shannon's notebook at uh, seattlesports.com. When Julio leaves for WBC, you're going to see a little Sam Haggerty in center field, which I think will be interesting. Any way to get him out onto the field is probably a good thing. And yeah, Julio is going to need to have some time off over the course of the year to stay healthy, to stay fresh, etc. And if Haggerty can slide in there on occasion or he goes to left field and Kelnick slides in there, that's probably a good thing for the Mariners moving forward. I'll tell you the other thing that jumps out to me with this team is that they're intact, right? They're, most of the group from last year is returning. And while I know there's been some frustration about that, that they didn't go out and add, 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 
the benefit of that or silver lining if you're in that category is that this group has a foundation on which to build rather than needing to start that from scratch which i think is a good thing as well rotation set for the start of games this week marco gonzalez will go on saturday in the beginning of the cactus league uh, opener matt brash is going to pitch in that game as well luis castillo throws tuesday will be there for that next week can't wait uh, no Logan Gilbert or George George Kirby for the first week or so, as uh, they're going to take a little extra time and be a little extra cautious with those two young pitchers. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the franchise tag window is now open, but I wouldn't expect any news on that front for a few more weeks. March 8th is the deadline, and that's obviously the more important date. But it's nice to see that the NFL offseason is indeed progressing. Geno Smith, will he be franchised? Still would surprise me. I, I, I just I don't think that is a weapon that the Seahawks want to use, and I don't think that it's a deal they want to pay Geno Smith even for one year because of the cap hit that it would uh, uh, necessitate. So I don't see that being a major thing for the Seahawks this year, but certainly something that we'll continue to talk about and look around and, and give them that negotiating window with their quarterback if they choose to take it. What do they need? They need defensive linemen, like a whole bunch of them. And I was encouraged to see that they're one of the few teams for which that is their number one offseason need. The Athletic ran a pretty good article where it showed each of the team's offseason number one priorities. And the Seahawks were one of only three uh, with defensive line, the other two being Kansas City and Cleveland. And, you know, Cleveland's about to have a $55 million quarterback hit starting next year. So that probably puts the Seahawks in a better position than them as well. Meanwhile, DK Metcalf, he had himself quite the weekend. He wins the MVP of the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. He was dunking on everybody. DK Metcalf, come on up here and receive your award. I mean, you're a strong guy, but it's heavy, right? Yeah, that'd be like... Uh, a 20-10 and 10 performance and just athleticism throughout with all of your dunks. What does it feel like to be named MVP? Uh... I mean, it feels great. I ain't never thought I was going to win MVP. I just can't hit a you-know-hoop around, but you know, it feels great. I thank y'all. It seemed like he did sort of show up there to win the MVP. If you're dunking in a celebrity all-star game, you're probably in line to maybe try to be the MVP. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Let's just say that. Here's the third thing you need to know. Up and down for the Kraken. Great on Friday and then really, really lousy yesterday. I love what we saw from Eberle and Beneers on Friday night. couple goals for Jordan Eberle, and then nobody played well yesterday. Just a disaster. Lose 4 nothing in San Jose, so I'm going to hope that that's sort of a trap game before a uh, tough one against the Bruins on Thursday. But one thing you should know, Philip Grubauer's been great. He was unbelievable on Friday night. That's the best game I've seen him play in a Kraken uniform, which came a day after Yanni Gord played his best game in a Kraken uniform. So there's probably more good than bad right now. And if you can get Grubauer going and in the zone, that would be a great, great sign for them moving forward. Good golf tournament over the weekend as well. John Rahm able to outlast Max Homa. He ends up getting the win. As for Tiger Woods, he managed to complete all four rounds, which is a good thing. It was progress, but it's obviously I didn't win uh, my, my streak continues here at Riff uh, so no I I, I felt like I, I the first couple of days I, I left certainly a lot of shots out there with some putts um, for especially Friday when I was blocking everything yes it was better yeah, and that was sort of the theme. It's funny. I mean, he actually hit the ball pretty darn well, and there were some vintage Tiger moments, just inconsistent. 
can he play enough to shake off the rust? I think that's the problem. He said afterwards that he was planning to play if he can in all four majors and maybe sporadically after that, but that would be about it. Said his body just can't handle it at this stage in his career. All right, there you go. That is everything in the whole wide world that you need to know. Hey, can we play you the Jonathan Gannon sound again? We just we got a minute or so here, right? I thought I would play this again. This is the new coach in, in Arizona, Jonathan Gannon, meeting and seeing uh, Kyler Murray. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. Hey. What is that? What is that? It's explosives. You can run. That's so weird. That whole job is about communicating, isn't it? Isn't that the most important part of being a coach is your communication skills? Right. Let's go, man. Let's go. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. I was talking about you, bro. Everything I said. Let's go. Oh, God. I got to tell you, like, this guy's rubbed me more the wrong way than anyone in a long time. Like, I hear that, and I just, like, how, how does any NFL player going to relate to that? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. 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 Yeah. All right. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. It's like he's, like he's doing some sort of, like, stomp poetry or something. Like... Verbal gonna, shots. All right. <laughs> what I'm going to have to try to get like every player that comes to do an interview with you next week to do something weird. As they no, I don't want Don't I? No, absolutely not. Please don't do that. It reminds me of uh, back Bugs me out. after high school when I thought I was going to be a model. Uh, I worked with a very eccentric ph- photographer once that would just say words like while you're doing shots, like love, trust. Oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> He thinks he's Herb Ritz or something. You're like, all right, dude, tone it down a little bit. How about a little direction? I'm new to this. Thanks a lot. Explosives. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Come on. What a joke. Perfect. What a perfect fit for the Arizona Cardinals. They have found their ideal coach from the guy who drinks paint twice to the guy who makes sound effects to his new quarterback. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. What a morning it's already been. A good opportunity to get ready for baseball season. We talked to Shannon Dreyer. She gave us the vibe from uh, from Peoria, which was great. And really just cool to hear the this team kind of starting to come together and, and with a sense of purpose this year, knowing that they've accomplished something already and that now there's the next step to take, which I think is a great spot for them to be in, a team on the rise. Uh, maybe an opportunity to read it over the weekend. Tom Verducci, uh, who is... You know, by any measure, one of the biggest names in baseball media, of course, and, you know, was such a successful writer for years with SI that now he also does MLB and uh, and, and MLB.com rather and, um, you know, on the Fox broadcast for the World Series. So, yeah, kind of a big name. So he wrote about Jared Kelnick and, and his his it's great. I really recommend you read it. I tweeted it out last night. Uh, if you want to find it easily, you can that way. But it's, you know all about Jared Kelnick and his swing changes and what he's done. And and it really breaks down the still shot film of, you know, here's where he is at this point and here's how he's changed it. And here's why it should work. And I get it. A a lot of Mariners fans who are frustrated are just like, yeah, whatever. Been there, seen it. Okay. Like, you know, when I see it on the field and he actually doesn't hit, you know, 180, 
then great. Maybe then we can talk. I get it if you feel that way. And certainly with the, some of the swing thoughts, I kind of do as well. So I, I understand that that's not going to be a convincing factor for you. But I do think it's interesting that he took the time to write about Jared Kelnick and say, look, this is a guy who's not done yet. And if he can get himself into the right headspace, you know, it was only two years ago he was considered to be a better, bigger prospect than Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I learned that he's in a really good place mentally. You know, and listen, it's tough to get yourself established in the big leagues no matter how talented you are. And he knows that as well as anybody. And I think things snowballed on him. And I think, uh, you know, listen, we haven't played a game that counts yet. So, you know, hold off on final judgments here. But it begins with being in good mental space. It really sounds like he's in that place. You know, encouraging things happened in last September. It sounds like he had a good offseason in terms of attacking some of the things that the Mariners wanted him to to make adjustments on. So that's all positive. And I think also it's funny how sometimes when you fail and the expectations get lowered, it puts you in a better, better mental space. And that's exactly what we've talked about with Jared Kelnick, right? Taking some of the pressure off of him. That's why I've brought up that Trot Nixon comparison a few times. And by the way, he kind of liked that Trot comp. But here's why. Again, let me just run through this quickly. And I know people get annoyed anytime I mention anything that ever happened with the Red Sox. But just remember, this happened before the Red Sox were detestable. So this was way back. They were talking like 90s, okay? Nobody hated the Red Sox the way they do now. It was totally different then. Plus, I grew up there. What do you want in my life? So if you remember, you probably don't, but Trot Nixon was a top seven or eight pick, something like that, right around the same as Kelnick. He was a left-handed hitter, big dude, lots of power, much expected of him, great patience, et cetera. And he was supposed to be, much like Kelnick, one of the great futures of the Red Sox organization. And he made it to the big leagues a couple times, didn't do all that well, and then he got passed by the guy who was drafted a year or two after him and Nomar Garcia Parra. And Nomar was an instant sensation. Everything you're seeing from Julio right now is how it felt with Nomar when he first came up. Honestly, I know the end didn't go great for Nomar, but if you could remember the beginning, I was not the only one who was 1000% convinced he was better than either Jeter or A-Rod. Maybe there was some bias in there, obviously, but he was certainly in that category. He was ridiculous. And Trot has to sit there and watch while this other guy, you know, leapfrogs him. And he's not able to do it the way this other guy does. Well, in 96, the Red Sox finally decided to do it. The, or sorry, maybe it was a little later. I think it's actually 98. But they, they decided to do it the right way. They sent him down. They brought him back up. And they said, all right, you're only going to hit against right-handers. And you're going to hit ninth all year. And it worked. He had a really good year. And he went on to a very good career. It was not perennial all-star, you know, World Series MV. It wasn't like that. I was going to say that might be how this works out, too. Nomar was still the better player. Absolutely. Julio is probably going to end up being 100%. Even though it was projected differently at first. When the guys get it at that age, like Julio has, it's going to be hard to beat them, right? That's why Verducci made some comps to all of the best players in the league with Julio Rodriguez. But that doesn't mean that a player like Jared Kelnick can't figure it out. And just like Trot did, he could become a very, very good player and a big-time contributor on a World Series winning team. He also is wired a lot like Trot Nixon, right? Family that was very, very engaged, incredibly um, emotionally connected to the game. And as Verducci said, that can make it harder on some guys. For the guys who really care, it sounds like Jared's one of these guys who really, really cares. It's probably not the right thing to say, but maybe sometimes cares too much mm-hmm. because there's so much advice you get when things go bad. 
uh, maybe you start overcorrecting some things. So uh, I think letting things go, it's a very difficult place to get to, but you know, going through these experiences help you get there. I like that thought. And, and, and it kind of led me to wonder, all right, are there guys like Kelnick who care quote unquote too much or on the high end of the, I care scale who struggle early the way he has fail and find a way to master that problem. And he said, yeah, there are. Matt Williams was one of those guys. I mean, he had a terrible start to his big career, big league career, had a lot of expectations on him, was sort of an introverted type of guy, really didn't like the spotlight, didn't really respond well when things went badly. But again, like Jared, he was young. He was 21, 22 when he got to the big leagues. That's the other thing, too. I mean, it's, we're not talking about somebody in their mid-20s. I mean, he's still growing, probably even physically, but certainly emotionally. So probably Matt Williams is the one I, I think comes to mind where a guy just failed right out of the box and, you know, had to go backward to go forward. And the classic example, obviously, is Roy Halladay, who went all the way down to A ball. I mean, couldn't get anybody out, but he had to actually kind of reteach himself how to throw a baseball, completely change his mechanics and got himself in a really good place with the help of Harry Dorfman, a sports psychologist. I'm glad he mentioned Matt Williams there and not just Roy Halladay because I think pitchers who are really smart and think about the game can always find a way. I don't think pitchers get in their head the same way that batters can. And I don't think it's an accident that a lot of hitters don't think that much. I'm not saying they're not smart. I'm saying they don't think that much. They don't think that hard. They don't analyze. They're happy to just be in the moment and hit. And, you know, he mentioned a couple of guys there that that he thought were in that category of, yeah, kind of lackadaisical, right? Yeah, I care, but, you know, I'm here having fun. Julio Rodriguez is in that category as well. Now, Julio cares as much as anybody. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't care, but he's able to kind of separate that out. And as Tom kind of says, both in his article and he said it again today, separate out the results from the process. Julio is a process guy, and unfortunately for Jared over the course of of the last year or so, he's been kind of stuck in a uh, results-based reaction. He's reacting to seeing those awful numbers up there on the screen rather than being able to wait and just focus on the process of what gets him there. And that's why 18 games into last season, remember we talked to him last year, Mark McGuire is my hitting coach. Everything's great. 18 games into the season, he changes his swing. That's not believing in your process. That's paying attention to the results and saying, okay, they're not going the way I want. I need to make a change. So, yeah, I, I like, you know, it makes me a little nervous about any swing changes he made this offseason, whether or not he's even going to stick with them, whether or not they work or not. Forget yeah. that. Hearing him say that his biggest focus was learning and learning well enough that he can teach it. And he talked about taking a lot of notes again. I, I know that he like when you struggle, you do need to learn things. But part of me wants to be like, just feel it. Stop. Stop putting so much in your head and yeah. just go off a of feel. Yeah, and 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 I don't know whether he can do that. No, there. Was, I can't like solidify one thing, um, but I can just tell you that it was a lot and took a lot of notes. I'm big on writing stuff down because, like, when you learn that much, you gotta you'll forget everything. And he's 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 a smart dude. That I, honestly, I think is might be one of his problems is that he's a pretty smart guy. That's the sense I get every time I talk to him. He is not a dummy. He might be a little broy. But you're not dumb. 
He really isn't. And and you can tell he is a student of this game and he studies it and he wants to be great and he cares and he's taking notes and he wants to get all of that information so that when he gets out there, he can unleash it all. But I, I think it might be one of those scenarios. And maybe this is why the swing change is a good thing. I'll, I'll kind of spin this around and make it positive that until you feel totally comfortable with it, you can't go on to the next thing. Right. Until his mechanics are totally sound and comfortable, he can't think about the things he needs to think about, which is what pitch is coming next, because recognition of the major league breaking pitch seems to be the biggest problem he's got right now. He's not recognizing the breaking stuff when they come. And then because of it, he's off kilter and then he's missing when he gets a mistake. And now all of a sudden he gets that 2-0 cookie or whatever and he misses it. And now you're a bat's toast because you're only going to get one chance in a major league at bat. Those guys don't make more than one mistake per five or seven pitches. Do so you think feeling like he has his stance and everything worked out takes one thing out of his mind? So yes. He if can he can feel comfortable and confident happens. with the swing, then he can focus not on the swing, yeah. but on something else. And, you know, we talk about it in golf, right? Just having one swing thought as opposed to five. What am I doing at the top? What am I doing on the downswing? What am I doing in my follow through? You can't live like that. Literally just got a text from the 206. I have the same problem with golf. Yeah, everybody does because you're trying to change 25 different things because we all stink at it. But when you're a pro, they're just worried about one thing, right? If you're watching John Rahm this weekend, he was unbelievable. He's not focused on 27 different parts of his golf swing. I'm sure there's one thing that he focuses on more than anything else. And usually it's whatever that golfer is rehearsing two, three, four, five times all in a row right before they go take a swing. I'm only focusing on this. And then they go swing. And if Jared can get a lot of the swing thoughts out of his mind, so he's totally comfortable swinging the bat, then he can come back and focus on the other two parts of the game, which is where I think the real issues for him are. It's not physical. He might need to feel comfortable with the physical, but that's mental. His problems are mental and emotional. And I think he can get past them. I love what Stacy says in the promo that you've heard. The only thing holding Jared Kelnick back is Jared Kelnick. She's absolutely right. The talent's off the charts. Okay? We talked about that, um, what is the thing called? The, uh, the machine that they have, the traject machine. Remember I talked to you guys about that a week or two ago? The Traject Machine. Yeah, you uh, want to get in there with it, don't I you? I can't wait. I really want to go see that thing in action. The Traject Machine essentially mimics Major League pitchers, whoever you want. You want Roy Halladay from back in the day. You want Justin Verlander. You want DeGrom, whatever. It can do it. And it mimics their speed. It mimics their spin rate, uh, it, arm angle, arm slot, all of it. And so you can just punch in. All right, give me so-and-so. And out it comes. And the guys hate it, right? Because it's impossible because it doesn't make mistakes. Nobody can hit it. I just said, how do you hit a major league pitcher? Wait for his mistake. Well, this doesn't make mistakes. You know who hits it? Jared Kelnick. He crushes that thing. It's not a physical problem. It's not. He's, he's as talented as anybody. He's got to get out of his own head. He's got to deal with the ups and downs. He's got to learn to deal with failure. Because all of those things, I think, had never even occurred to him. And yes, he did miss a couple of years of development, as Jerry always points out, with COVID, which was, I think, a challenge for him and a few other guys in his class, right? Uh, Joe Adele is another one whose name comes up. Torkelson, like a few of those guys have not developed as well because of the time they missed. All right, fine. That's why one of the reasons I'm willing to be so patient with Jared Kelnick. But... 
eventually you've got to prove it in a major league scenario. And this is that time he's being given left field. And just like Trot Nixon, he's getting all of the advantages. You don't have to hit in the top part of the order. You're going to probably bat eighth or ninth every day. No one's expecting you to carry this team. There are veterans and other players that are being looked at and are in the spotlight. And oh, by the way, all those tough lefties that you saw your first couple of years, you're not going to have to see them because we brought in a platoon guy to take away all of those left-handed at-bats from you. Everything is going your way, man. You are set up for success. Now all you got to do is make it happen. Let's do some ranking. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, the uh, ranking today is, uh, today is Fat Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah. What does that mean? Mardi Gras. Okay. Gras ranked. Well, you oh, got the gras. Yeah, you got the gras. Uh, no, we'll do fats ranked. Tough to do this without being offensive. So we're going to work very hard to not offend anybody while we rank fats. And if we do offend anybody, we're going to blame David Burbank, who is here filling in for Justin on the board. I said specifically we should try to offend the right. listeners. Right. Yes, that was your thank you for doing that. And so if anything goes awry, we will blame you. Uh, of course, some honorable well, mentions. You did a traditional ranking on Friday. You were sad without Justin. I was sad. I felt guilty. Yes. So I supported this as well. Thank you, Maura. I appreciate that. Well, perhaps you like the Jethro. See, I'm not a big Jethro Tull guy, but Jethro Tull makes its way into an honorable mention. This is Fat Man. Don't want to be a fat man. Ugh. I'm not a big Jethro Tull yeah, fan. I don't like that. That's about as far as I can go with them. Sorry. Too much flute. Too much flute for me. Uh, I do like the Fat Boys, though. When I was a kid, man, this was one of those songs when I came on the radio. Everybody was excited. <laughs> this and um, they did Wipeout. Do you remember when they did their version of Wipeout? No. Oh. Something to behold. All right, there you go. The Fat Boys. Oh, the Fat Boys. Yep, they're on there. <laughs> Make sure we get them in. Uh, you got movies like My Big Fat Greek Wedding. It's just, uh, yeah. Ian is a vegetarian. He doesn't eat meat. He don't eat no meat. <laughs> no. I feel like that's my parents with my daughter. What do you mean? We have to take her to a vegan place? Well, what? she goes on to say, that's okay, I'll make lamb. That's what she says. <laughs> he doesn't eat meat. What do you mean he don't eat no meat? Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I make lamb. Go. Go. It's not red meat, right? Just make lamb. Totally fine. Uh, Let's see. We got some ice cube. Hold on. My jeans feel it tight. He's saying pockets, by the way, just so in case you're listening on AM radio and there's a little crackle, (laughs) pockets stay fat is what he was saying. I just want to make sure everybody caught that. Right. Uh, Van Halen did Big Fat Money. Some later Van Halen, I believe. And then you got some Chili Peppers. Fat dance. It's a good one. Yes. 
course, uh, you have uh, Fat Man in a Little Coat, right, is uh, from uh, Tommy Boy, right? Fat Man in a Little Coat. 206 thinks a heavy D should have counted. No, we're not doing heavy. No, it's not about fat people. It's about fat. Okay, because like, 253 said pre-green smoothie diet salt. All right, that's unnecessary. How about Fats Domino? I found my thrill. We could have added Chubby Checker, and then it would have been a whole different type of yeah. thing. But that's not that's not the point here. Fat Boy Slim makes it on as an honorable mention, though. There you go. A little Fat Boy Slim for you. How about Joey Fatone? Funny enough, because you said you hadn't seen it, he's actually in my big fat Greek wedding. Is that also. true? Of course he is. Double whammy for ranked. Uh, you got Fat Chance, 311. Can't play much of this song, unfortunately. That's the very end. Yeah, that's the end of. Uh, we're just not going to play that. But Fat Chance, three eleven. Uh, how about Chow Yun Fat, star of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and others? Very proud of yourself. How about Fat Albert? Hey, hey, hey. Of course. Fat Albert. Uh, how about Fat Man and Little Boy? You know what that is? No. Those are the two atomic bombs that were dropped in Japan. One was called Fat Man. The other was called Little Boy. So they named the two bombs. I don't know if they need to be anyway. Well, they, you know, they're just honorable mentions. <laughs> just letting people know we knew about them. Jake and the Fat Man, right, is uh, a movie. I've never seen it, but it is a movie. Uh, let's see. What else do we need to have on here? All right. Should we get to the top five? Do we feel people ready? I'm texting in Minnesota Fats. I'm not familiar. Oh, Minnesota Fats. I think is a um, uh, uh, pool, billiards. Yes. Okay. I think that's a billiards thing. A billiards reference, if I'm not mistaken. All right, let's see. Number five on our list of fats ranked is, of course, Fat Joe. The 253 says, don't forget the fat chance Mora ever buys into ranked again. (laughs) (laughs) No? You don't think you're going to do that ever again? All right. Well, number four. I'm trying to help you out. You're without Brock and I know. It's very sad. But but I got David. David's helping. Number four, (laughs) fat lip. Some 41. Oh. This was already in the system. Remember when Justin used to have computer problems? Oh, you think that's why? Yeah, that's my bad. So we're going to blame Justin on that. That's fine. Good song, though. That is a pretty good song. I like that one. Fat Lip, that is, uh, by Sum 41. Uh, Number three, I think this one's pretty obvious, and uh, original producer of this show, Colin Paisley, who is a karaoke machine himself. This is his karaoke favorite. Well, fat bottom, fat bottom girls, excuse me. Heard this song before. I had no idea that's what it said. Really? Not going to lie. No. You didn't know that was Fat Bottom Girls from Queen? Nope. (laughs) Yes. Well, there you go. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it was important. Uh, that was what? Number three. Number two. Do we have this in here? Where is Daddy Fat Sacks? Hold on. I know I got some. Here we go. A little outcast. Those guys do nicknames the right way. I, I love outcasts. We were just saying, Warren and I were just talking. They need a new Outcast tour. Get those guys back together for a tour, and I'll go pay some money for that. How much would you like to see Outcast at Climate Pledge? Uh, I'd be yes. all in. Count me in. I've never. Have you seen them before? No. Me neither. Number one. Weird Al's got to be number one, man. Or are you going to say this one's offensive? It's Weird Al. You can't offend when you're Weird Al. You didn't even play my independence. I was going to get to that, Maura. I was going to get to that. I was going to say this show is nearly over, but you'll know it's actually over when the fat lady sings. We're loose. You get us out of here in 30 seconds. I ain't heard no fat lady. Forget the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. Drive us out of here. <laughs> I promise I was going to get it in there. All right. Yeah, we need Justin. He's a little extra energy, can I tell you? I feel off my game. Thank you, though. Thanks for making me feel good for a few minutes. Uh, big day tomorrow. Um, be in at 6 o'clock. Stick around for Bump and Stacy. They're next. Until then, the hay is in the barn. See you, everybody.